Blog Talk Radio. Out of the Fraser Valley, across the nation, around the world. It's Left of the Valley with Kevin and Karen. Hi, Karen. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing today? I'm just great. How are you? Well, you know, still alive, can't complain. Even if I didn't, who would listen? And uh, if you're not listening to us, shame on you. <laughs> wow, that was just met with nothing. Nothing at all. All right. You might as well introduce them. Might as well. Well, we have Corey Castle of Corey Castle Productions and What's On Magazine and many other fine surprises around the valley. He's well known. Uh, hi, Corey. Hey, how you doing? I'm excited to be called Lovely. I am. It's amazing. Lovely. <laughs> and the studio audience is clapping for you. Absolutely. I haven't had that much applause for <laughs> ever. <laughs> Oh, oh, that should be fascinating. That's <laughs> Bronwyn is one of the most fascinating people <laughs> that I know. Bronwyn Sutherland is with us today. She is the manager of the Clark Theater Let's right here in applause. Mission. Yeah. Oh, look at that. They're even screaming for you. Bronwyn, uh, other than being the manager of the Clark, she also sits on the Cultural Resources mm-hmm. Commission. Correct. And uh, is a real mover and shaker in our community. Excellent. We're very excited to be here. And we're doing we're doing a show today. We're going to take a look at uh, politics in the region and uh, and why you should vote. But before we do all that, uh, we'll have Karen go right ahead and do your segment. That's right. Fine, 25 shillings, 
Shieldings? Shieldings. Okay, yeah, I heard Shieldings. Guess how they found out he was drunk He was still drinking? <laughs> he crashed the taxi cab into the side of the building. But this prompted uh, the, the uh, <laughs> desire to create some way of, you know, preventing that being the way you find out someone's driving drunk. So it eventually, in 1936, Dr. Rolla Harger patented the Drunkometer. Ooh. A drunkometer. Drunkometer. It was a balloon attached to like a stick with some kind of apparatus inside that could tell how much you're drunk, which eventually led to the invention of the breathalyzer. But I personally think sounds like something out of Disney. Drunkometer is a way better name. I was thinking Sesame Street. Yeah. Then we go to. Oh, fantastic paintings. There's a fantastic documentary about those paintings, too. Yeah. Which the title escapes What's me right now. What's that called? I don't know. Uh, it was very good, though. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, then this is something that I had no idea of. I actually, once I read this fact, I, I had to go check it and double-check it. 1942, Japan bombed Oregon. And this actually happened, it was basically one Japanese... Uh, well, who wouldn't want to? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So her husband was killed by one of these. Oh, she was. No idea. In 1942? Oh, okay. So it was... Hunter Buck. Oh, 5000 Oh, wow. <laughs> That's not too bad in 1942. I, I was going to say. <laughs> now, who paid that? Not, not the Japanese. No, okay. Okay. That guy was way off course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he must have flown for a pretty long yeah, ways. That's, yeah. that's an extraordinary uh, amount of... Oh. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Right. Well, thank you very much for this <laughs> insightful, insightful. Yeah. It's a big day in history. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? Indeed. How indeed. many computers were around back then? <laughs> oh, not many. 1945, but that's why they're called bugs and computer programs to this day. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this very insightful uh, segment. All right. And <laughs> <laughs> on with the show. So, um... So we're not doing a science segment today, and uh, we're not going to do. Uh, uh, we're going to do a look basically into local politics, and this is why we have our guests for. Uh, we're well, here. I should clarify, though, we're not talking about specific political platforms or people. We are talking about the need mm-hmm. to vote and voter apathy. In general. 
Yeah, because uh, in case you people did not know, um, they basically said, uh, you know, they're off. You know? I mean, the 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 election. Yeah, and they're off, okay. just like the Kentucky Derby. Oh. Like it's it's not it's not been <laughs> called no, off. It's no, 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 no. Starting off. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no elections anymore. <laughs> you did not know, did you? And this is why we have a guest for uh, right here for. <laughs> Jeez, you know I'm just gonna. I'm just Are gonna we wait. here to announce the elections are <laughs> off? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm just we're gonna. we're here. It's like we're. <laughs> can anyone hear us? Can anyone hear us? Okay, I'm, we're broadcasting. I'm just gonna live. give that platform to you guys. I'm just gonna shut up now before I put my foot in my mouth again. <laughs> Silence. This is great radio, by the way. Just to be clear, the elections aren't off, are they, Corey? No. no I the elections are on. November <laughs> no- 15th. November 15th. And people should mark that Absolutely in their calendars yep. today so that they can start uh, thinking about what they're going to do on that day. Mm-hmm. And the election will be for one mayor, six councillors, and four school trustees in the town of Mission. Uh, I don't know what happens for well, well, we'll for, yes, four trustees and then yeah. the... Yeah. We'll concentrate on mission today. Maybe we'll do another show with that. We don't know what's going on over there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, because it's so far away. Well. <laughs> Corey might know, but I do not keep my finger on the well, pulse you know, of Abbotsford. there's really a mysterious place, Abbotsford. Nobody knows exactly what goes on there. <laughs> uh, Tell it louder, because they can barely register here. Oh no! Oh no! Hold on! I need some good music for that. He's going to bring all his friends, right? Yeah. Yes? Yes, yes. actually. Well, I've done a bit of campaigning. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you guys think it maybe it's a uh, BC thing, uh, the lack of enthusiasm in, in the youth? Because, I don't know, when I was a kid, we were very enthusiastic about the idea of voting. Very but there was a small percentage of Canadian youth vote, just in general, across the country. So mm-hmm. I don't Yeah, I don't think BC. it's a BC yeah. thing. No. Okay. So, Corey, uh, maybe how are we, you guys? <laughs> I just want to point out that the election we're talking about that are coming up, that are not off, uh, is a municipal <laughs> election. That's right. Not a uh, provincial or federal election. There's three elections, and we're talking about the municipal one. That's right. That's right. that they have, uh, I believe, two people who are, support them. 
who say that they back their candidacy. You need a financial officer, that's it. You don't need to have any kind of financial background. You don't need to have a party behind you. All you need to do is declare your candidacy and have a financial officer and two people who say, yes, he lives in this area and I support him running. Or running. And you have to be 18? And you have to be 18. And a Canadian citizen? So, so pretty much anybody any, can do it. Any Canadian citizen can right. live in Riding County. Yeah, anyone can. And it doesn't cost a lot of money. It can cost a lot of money, but it doesn't have to. And uh, it really is very important because the things like your property taxes, the uh, how money is spent at your schools, um, very specific things that govern your day-to-day living are the things that the municipal, municipal government control. So it really does affect you very directly, whoever is in charge of your city. And I think that's why there is so much apathy, especially among young people, is because they don't understand what the relevancy is in their lives. Like, who is the mayor? Who cares who the mayor is? Well, they imagine the mayor is the person who shows up at various events wearing that um, chain of office sometimes in a funny hat and that they cut ribbons and um, announce various openings of things which is a very minor part of what a mayor does and I think that people don't understand that of all the elections the municipal election and who they vote in is probably one of the decisions that will affect them directly the most. On a, on a micro level. On a not micro a, level. Not a mi- macro, every day. Right? Your, yeah. your everyday life yeah. is yeah. affected. Sure. So if there's a, a crosswalk by your house or you have to you know, run across the freeway and risk your life, that's a municipal decision. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, like bike lanes. Um, well, any amenities that you have. Your library being open. Right. Yeah. And probably one of the most important things, especially for, and young people probably don't understand this, but one of the most important things for young people is the transit issue, and that is completely municipal. And I don't think that most young people, maybe Liam is an exception, jump on a bus to go to Abbotsford or, well, really, where else can they go? Just Abbotsford at this point. <laughs> um uh, is that is being dictated by the mayor and council? It's not a provincial decision, and you know, it, to some extent, it's a regional district decision, but it is council. Well, and and right down to uh, how many buses are running, how often they run, where they go, what the route is, where do they stop? Even exactly, I've sat in council meetings where they've debated for ten minutes about what side of the street the bus stop should be on, which is pretty trivial. Except but not really. that they're talking about transit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you are an elderly person who has a really hard time walking, then that does make a big difference. Um, and I know that the West Coast Express wouldn't be here if it hadn't been a decision of council at that time, which is before I lived in Mission. But, uh, and some of the taxes that you pay go directly to having the West Coast Express pull up into Mission. Uh, every community contributes to it, and uh, if your community decides not to contribute to it for some reason, you would not have it. 
Well, I would, I mean, I know we weren't going to talk about issues, but I'd love to see it expanded. Um, more more trips per day, more maybe in the evening. I mean, this is what young people, Corey and I were just talking about this uh, on our stroll up here. And, uh, well, brisk walk, sorry, Corey. And, uh, quite brisk. Quite brisk. Um, and, and the point being that young people now who are in their 20s and 30s, they don't want to own cars anymore. They don't. Lots of them don't even have a driver's license, which we find extraordinary. Because of course, when I was young, that you, a car was really the only thing you wanted to have that immediately. Your, that was your status. Somewhere. Exactly. Today, kids, it's the phone and the, the, the electronics. And taking the transit. I mean, if the tra- I mean, I was just listening on the radio today. The that Richmond. Um, Municipality of Richmond, hysterical because their uh, Millennium Line is so packed. Is it the Millennium Line? The Canada, Canada, Canada Line, line Canada sorry. Line. Uh, is so packed that you can barely get into the, uh, the uh, into the airport. You can't get into the station. There's a line up to get into the station. And younger people are opting out of cars. They know how ridiculous they are, and they're wanting to use transit. And so to me, that is one of, uh, that's a big issue locally. Well, and not even that they're opting out. I mean, let's face it, a car is expensive. Yes, very. And young people are not getting jobs where they can Mm. afford to purchase a car insurance and maintain it. It's just not feasible. No, you're right. And and, but never mind finding somewhere to park the darn thing. (laughs) Especially if you live in Vancouver. Parking lots. Whether or not you pay for your parking. Yeah. We've been really lucky in Mission yeah, that we have free parking. But again, that is a decision of the people that we elect to be our mayor and council. Yeah. Something is as... Mundane. Mundane. Yeah. Exactly. But what a huge difference it makes in your everyday life. Yeah. What you guys might not know is we actually have a clip of uh, Mayor Adlam. Oh, no. And his strategy no. for... Don't no, 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 no. Stop it. No. Absolutely not. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add another thing to happen to my head. The observatory that we is being going to be built in Heritage Park. That was a decision of council as well. So I think that's a super cool thing. I'm really excited that it's going to open and uh, that that's directly a decision of the mayor. And, yeah. Sorry, Corey, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say something that's not a real sexy, yeah. sexy topic, yeah. but it's one that unusual for the, you. The yeah. council talks about quite a lot, and it costs a lot of money. Is sewer, sewerage, yeah, sewage, and wa- just water, sewer, water, sewage, dairy. all those services that come right into our house, which we j- take for granted. You're right. It's not very sexy. <laughs> it sounds sexier with that music, I must say. Sewerage, sewerage. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, and, and and those are fairly new uh, things that it be, especially in Mission. A lot of times, for example, people who live in older houses, somewhere in your yard is an old septic tank. You know, the, and but we take for complete granted. You're right. The water that comes in, the the sewage that comes in. You know, the, and those are things that are important. And and sometimes they can talk about those for a very long time at a council meeting. But they're important. They sound Boring, but they're not. And people should be aware of that, I think. <laughs> hey, 
well. And uh, yeah. in spring, they run off, and the well would get filled with runoff, and our um, sink would be coated with mud and goop, and we'd actually have to go buy water. So that never happens in the city. We can all be great and I think the numbers of people who vote municipally is dreadful. Mm. It's just well, appalling. Turns out what you guys don't know is I actually do have the numbers for that. Uh, but. But? but? <laughs> no. It's better than that. It's oh. A pop quiz. oh, it's a pop quiz. I didn't know we were going to be quiz. Oh, I would have studied. Oh. I would have studied. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know the music. Corey's already dancing. You know the music. Whenever we have a Oh, this isn't TV, quiz. is it? No. no. No one can see my moves? Oh, darn it. Darn it. Corey, I'm you glad can, no one can see it. You can describe it, Mom. You can describe it if you want. All right, let's get into it. Okay, according to Election BC, what is the difference in voter turnout from 1983 to 2009? And this is, this is provincial. I'm going to go with provincial here. Is it A, was it 70% now it's 51? Is it B, was it 60% now it's 50? C, was it 50% now it's 75? Or D, you couldn't get BC people to vote unless it was a wet t-shirt contest? I'm going with A. A. I think A, too. A. A it is. Yeah. It definitely yeah. hasn't gone up. No. No, it has not gone up. Question two. What was the voter turnout in Abbotsford in percentage? Was it A, 45? What, what year? What year? Uh, the last uh, municipal election. Okay. Was it uh, A, 45%, B, 39%, C, 62%, or D, 54%? Forty-five, thirty-nine, sixty-two, fifty-four. Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. You guys rock! <laughs> Can I just bring up something about that Abbotsford election? Or are you in the middle of... No, go. Okay. Um, Boy, it looked like I'm somebody important here. Sometimes <laughs> during election, there is a an additional thing to vote for. And that additional thing is called a referendum. And in that particular one, or was it the one before? No, it was that one where they were voting on the building of the um, Abbotsford Entertainment Center? Mm-hmm. It was before, I thought. No, no, it was the P3 they were voting for. And that same, oh, the water, right. And only 39 people. And then the time before was the building of the Abbotsford Entertainment Center and the REACH. Yeah. We've lost Corey. Corey. I had to find the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I've been. I was speaking with uh, with some people from Abbotsford in the know, and they were actually uh, saying just that is that there was a lift in the voter turnout. Um, and interestingly enough, they're even in, in doing projections and predictions for this election, they can even kind of predict kind of what side of the spectrum those people were that came out to vote. Mm-hmm. So they can now take that into account for this election that, that those people probably won't be voting. Because I don't think there are any referendums in Abbotsford this year either, so. are there? 
Nothing I've heard of. There is. Not that we're talking about Avatar. Yeah. No, but I was just it was just came up because yeah. that's quite high and one of the reasons I mean it's ridiculously low, but is high for Abbott for municipal elections. Yes. Next question. Next question. What was the voter turnout in mission? Hmm. Oh, by the way, in Abbotsford, the percentage, it was 39, but that translated to 33,303 votes. So, hmm. in mission, is it A, 30%, B, 42, C, 51, or D, too busy watching Dancing with the Stars? No, I'm not repeating those numbers. If you're not, you're not paying. I thought it was 26. You're not paying attention. That's it. 26 wasn't. Was that one of the numbers? No, but I thought it was 26. (laughs) No, actually, uh, for mission, it was estimated about 30 percent, and that translates to only 7,363 voters. So think about this mission. 7,000 people decided the council you have now. So if you're not happy with it, ask yourself, where were you there last time to make a difference? That's awful. No, 38. 38. 38. 38. Even yeah. worse. Yeah. According to the chart, also the, uh, the city with the highest percentage was Stewart. It's a very small town, but nonetheless, 78% of the people came out to vote. Wow. But it's a very, it's a very small town. But you know, it doesn't make a difference and whether whether it's a big number or a small number. 78% of the people came out. A toaster museum. Yes. <laughs> a toaster museum. See, and now there's a conversation at the council table that I want to know how that went. Who was the counselor that came to the meeting and said? I think we should o- open a toaster museum. I don't think anybody else has oh, one. Oh, it's a privately oh. run. Oh. Okay, good. No, <laughs> no tax dollars were spent in the preservation of these toasters. Oh, jeez. You guys just arrived. The show just went down the drain again. <laughs> yes, I know. You just Every time I'm trying to do something, you just send me down the... <laughs> okay, last question, actually. So what was the province-wide percentage of participation in the last municipal election? Was it A, 40%, B, 45%, C, 29.5%, or D, 32? 32. 32. 29, yeah. Well, 29 it is. Oh, wow. Congratulations, guys. And That's th- terrible. That was a, It is terrible, but that was a quiz. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that mission would be higher than the average. <laughs> Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> 29.5 and 30. Still, Still it's higher, higher than the average. Five of a percent. Yeah. yeah. Woo, we're engaged. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Those numbers are extremely depressing, they actually. Are depressing. They're, because they're depressing, especially when you count, like, uh, in the uh, 80s, it was, of course, it was a provincial number, but they were much higher already. Yeah, absolutely. I was raised with the concept that you went and voted because that was your duty. To live in a democracy, you couldn't. You, you had a responsibility, and that was to vote. And I was very much raised with that mindset. Isn't it funny? Sorry, Corey, I'm just attacking you. That the uh, <laughs> the time when there was less information available to the average voter, you know, six o'clock news, daily newspaper, and now there are so many avenues to receive information, and we don't vote. Yeah. Do you think if we voted on our computers, more of us would vote? 
Oh, absolutely. Online voting. I think more people would vote, but I think that personally, for me, it's far too easily. I agree. No, I think the solution is pretty much what Australia is doing, make it mandatory. Yeah. Well, it has always been I against the law not to vote but in is Australia. It, but is it a democracy if it's yes. mandatory? Yes, because mm-hmm. uh, the democracy is what the majority of people want, right? So if not the majority of people even vote, then you don't know what the majority of people want. But in Canada, the majority of people don't want to vote. But <laughs> in, in India, for instance, they have a none of the above option. So you could perhaps oh. pair that, you know? Well, in Australia, like you too. don't have to vote for a person. You, just you have, have to, to show yeah. up at the voting polls so you can and just sign your, your name ballot, and yeah. you can spoil your ballot. But you have, and if you're there anyway, might as well vote. Yeah. Right. So I would love to vote for Mayor Quimby. <laughs> I need a drink and a shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a, I have a very proposal. I think we should go around the room and everyone say one reason why everyone should vote and then one reason why they think people don't vote. Hmm. So I'm going to start with it, why everyone should vote. Okay, as a, a very ardent feminist, as I'm sure everyone knows by now, um, women didn't get the vote until, I can't remember the exact date, which is, I'm very ashamed of, but I think it was 1921. That is less than 100 years that we have been allowed to vote. People went to jail for the right to vote. They fought long and hard. They had huge amounts of resistance, protests in the streets. It is such a dereliction of duty to not vote if you're a woman. Go ahead, sorry. Well, and I'll I'll keep going kind of in that vein that there are people around the world today mm-hmm. who are fighting for a right to have a voice. Uh and I and that to me is what it is. It's your voice and without voting you have no voice. And uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, why are people not no, no, voting? No, we're not on that one yet. Oh, okay. Just one at a time. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Bronwyn? Uh, I'm just going to continue on that vein because there are people in the world who line up in 104-degree weather when who have very little in their lives and have very little to vote about and will stand in line all day to vote. Just for the, I think once people know what it's like not to be able to vote, the next time they would vote. So perhaps what we could do is have one elect the elections off. I think that's brilliant. Allow nobody to vote. You heard it here, people. <laughs> you heard it here first. Allow people not to vote for one election, and I guarantee you, by the time the next one rolls around, they will be lining up. Did you? Did well, you just call Kevin's idea brilliant? Mm. Yes. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Where's her volume button? <laughs> okay, well, I'm, uh, I could go in the same vein, but I'm simply going to make a, a different point. Uh, the reason you should vote is simply because if you don't, things simply don't change. Uh, as a species, we're a progressive species. Uh, everything that we've acquired to this day we fought for and we made changes for the better if you don't vote these changes just don't happen and yeah. that's, that's simply it 
Liam. No, I, I agree with you 100%, Kevin. That's and, uh, twice agreed with me. Yeah, well... I am such the man today, man. Pe- people who don't vote have no right to complain, really, right? Because by voting, you decide what your country is going to look like or what your town is going to look like. So I think that's a very good reason to vote, that you actually will be able to change things that way, right? People always complain about what the norm is, but no one... If no one votes, then you know that's the most basic thing that you would have to do in order to change things. Before we get into the next one, the next question, I just want to ask though: Do you think that that's a tactic to make sure people are apathetic enough so they don't vote? Do you think it's a tactic by the man, the establishment, what, what's of getting people apathetic enough that they don't vote? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that the people who are in power want change. So why, yeah. so why, so why would they encourage you to vote, right? Um, yeah, I, I definitely think apathy, and I mean, I can that I that's a that's a whole other show. Oh, absolutely. The whole TV yeah, in the living room is a strategy to make us apathetic and distract us. No, no, no. We're much more engaged today as a result of Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, no. <laughs> Oh, geez. No, but I, I think it's a worthwhile uh, question to be asking ourselves. Uh, uh, but why not, as a politician, why not, uh, once you're on top, why not keep ahead of the curve? You know, I mean, just, just keep going and become a pioneer in things. Uh, instead of turning all conservative and I don't want to move here because I'm on top all of a sudden. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't understand why these politicians are not thinking about these kind of things. We were actually just discussing this uh, the other day, Liam and I, and... Um <laughs> and uh, we were talking actually about Tommy Douglas and when he proposed Medicare, free universal health care, doctors opposed it. Doctors protested against that policy. And he um, persisted and he made a revolutionary change in Canadian history. And uh, it wasn't a popular choice at the time, and he, but he had the vision to carry it through even though it might mean that he wouldn't get reelected. So those kind of people used to exist, but they seem to have vanished from the political landscape. Yeah. Well, and today it's it's the the first the first and real only job a politician has once they get elected is to stay elected. To stay elected. Yeah. And I think that that's, that was the problem. I think our forefathers envisioned that politics should be done part time. Yeah. So you don't rely on the, the revenue of being a politician to survive. Uh, you can, and it also has the added benefit of you can mingle with some with the populace as if you're working somewhere else as well. And I don't know when it turned that all of a sudden politicians that was their only job and their full time job. But then, of course, as soon as they're elected, their job's at stake. So they have a job for the next three years in uh, municipal politics, four years, and something higher. And after that, the the only thing in their, on their mind is to how do I get reelected? Well, politics used to be considered a public service. People went into politics because they were thought they were going to do uh, something for the public in a service capacity. It is now a career. And the minute it became a career is the minute everything changed. Um, no one seems to go in. I mean, I, I really like to believe that everybody who decides to go into politics, it's not an easy game. Um, it's not, uh, some people really enjoy it. 
others do not. But it is not an easy game either way. And when they first get into it, I really think they go into it trying to make a difference. Honestly, when they first start, it doesn't matter who they are, they've got a beef or whatever it is, they go into it thinking that they can make a change. Once they're into that system, it seems to change them because then it becomes a career. And maybe we need to put limits on the length of time people can yes. serve. Well, this is actually this is the first time that I've actually considered the idea of not allowing politics to be a career. And I I don't want to I'm not going to say it directly to you, Kevin. Say it to her then. <laughs> I think he's onto something. <laughs> wow, oh, hey, you know that's two compliments tonight. That's, that show will be uh but it was, it was never regarded as a career. As, as, uh, well, it wasn't back then. But even 20 years ago, or you know, people did. Now we're so polarized. It's such a different. Uh, it used to be Tommy Douglas got that through by all of the parties working together. He never would have been able to if there hadn't been people in all of the other parties who worked together to bring it to be. Because they weren't in power, they were, I mean, federally, and now it's like, it's so polarized. Nobody, if one party has an idea, no, it can't be done because they're the opposition, yeah. and, it, it, and it's the polarization, yeah. and now the parties don't even represent what they originally represented. I mean... You know, conservatives weren't always the way they are now. They were oh, God, they were no. fairly good guys. God, I mean, yeah. they had certain uh, philosophies, but but it just seems to me that it's so polarizing. And I don't know if that's an influence from the United States oh, or absolutely. if it's what we have just become. And it's polarized at a local level as well, which is just infuriating. Well, it hasn't been in, in the past. I mean, lately it has, but in the past it wasn't. No. Yeah, we have to qualify everything. Interesting. Did you want to add something? Well, I was just going to say that when you have a coalition, it means you have to do popular things. You know, or because you have people across the spectrum that have to agree with you, right? You can't. Same with a minority. You can't just do something because you know that it's going to go through no matter who doesn't like it, right? Yeah. So it has to be a reasonably sound proposition, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't support it. So. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're going to do another segment. Is what we're going to do. Oh, well, we didn't answer the second question. Oh, we'll answer it after. Okay. I've started. You, you, you don't like that question, do you? No, I just have very to, I've started the music. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to stop halfway through. Anyway, speaking of conservative. I want your oh, opinion no. on this story, because uh, right now we have a, uh, a school uh, teacher uh, strike, well, although we're not going to talk about that. It's a story about a teacher, nonetheless. Uh, you guys remember a couple, a couple of years ago the Columbine incident in the state? And they have a lot of uh, shootings in the states, in, in 
schools. Well, a lot. Not a lot, but they do have some. Right? A lot? I mean, one is too many. Kind I agree. Of, I true. agree. I agree. Completely agree. Well, this just came across the lines. I just had to share this with you. Uh, it says, Idaho teacher shoots himself in the foot. Now, Idaho apparently voted to allow the teachers to bring firearms in the classrooms. And I know this is something that a lot of conservatives have a tendency to love. I mean, I've got a friend on Facebook, a great guy I used to train with him, and he just went completely conservative on me for some reason. And uh, he, he used to say that, you know, hey, you know, we should arm our teachers. Well, you know, he used to say the only thing that will stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Well, less than a week into the school year, then this year, okay, this doofus shoots himself in the foot as his weapon is discharged in his pocket. No, it wasn't a rocket in his pocket. Mm -hmm. It was a gun. And thankfully, no students were injured. Now, the question is, is the armed teacher a greater threat than the odds of a murderous shooter coming into the classroom? A teacher well, with a gun. If, if this guy is shooting himself in the foot, would he be able to stop an armed intruder? <laughs> That's a good... <laughs> when they're giving them these firearms, are they teaching them how to use them? Oh, If he's got it in his pocket, probably it's, not. It's, I don't think it's supplied by the school. I think it's just his own... <laughs> I was going to say that's even way scarier. Yeah, well, in the States, they also had a lot of these people walking around with their guns on them because, you know, they just want to, according to themselves, protect the Second Amendment, which gives them the right to bear arms, which is ridiculous. But anyway. Uh, but the question is, is, is an armed teacher a bigger threat than the odds Absolutely. Absolutely. Or what if you had an intruder who didn't have a gun and came in and then took the teacher's gun? Mm -hmm. This is that's an absurd. Or a student. Well, yeah. yeah. Who gets uh, pissed off at his teacher? Shootings happen from students, right? They yeah. have some beef and they come in, right? Well, the statistic for the number of accidental deaths of children in the states is something horribly well, high. Speaking of statistics, and I want all these. Con well, I don't think we have any conservative listeners, but if, if we do, <laughs> that one guy there. Um, here are some uh, statistics from uh, psych uh, psychlawjournal.com. Um, the U.S. experienced 2.4 shootings in the school per year. 2.46 uh, per year, which, you, like you said, one is too many. Um, the chances of being uh, having an armed uh, gunman coming into your school, if you're kindergarten to grade 12, the odds are 1 in 53,925. If you're in elementary or middle school, the odds are 1 in 141,463. And if you're in a high school, that drops dramatically to 1 in 21,000. That basically supports that you know a lot of high school students might be the ones doing yeah. some of the shootings. Now, I just want, to, I want you guys to compare this with some of the other stats I pulled. Um, your odds of dying in a car crash are 1 in 112. The children are 11 times more likely to die when a firearm is present than when it's not. Sorry, how many times? 11, 11 times more likely. Be. Dying of being electrified, your odds are 1 in 12,174. Odds of being... So, you have... Better odds of being electrified than being shot in a school by an armed gunman. Hit by lightning, the odds are one in 136,000. So you have better shots of being hit, better chance of being hit by lightning than being shot in a middle school. This is well, it's more power, more power. <laughs> so electrified is not including lightning. <laughs> no, that's 
putting a fork in the plug. Okay, in the okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Little Bobby there doesn't know. So, oh, yeah, what's this? That's the odds of that. Um, the odds of being executed by the state, okay, are one in ninety-six thousand. You have bigger odds of being executed by the state than being shot in a school. Uh, the odds of that's a that's another story in itself, yeah. right there oh, I'm too. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the odds of dying of a heat yeah. stroke are one in eight thousand. Uh, so, You're way more yeah. So I think every teacher should carry fans yeah. to protect <laughs> kids, right? That's an imminent threat. And according to Medscape.com, uh, there is no credible evidence of gun ownership deterring crime at all. I heard an interesting uh, documentary on the CBC one time about uh, an American guy who had a gun. He had, someone broke into his house, and he shot the guy and killed him. Like he didn't mean to kill him. He thought he was gonna like hurt him and deter him, but he killed him. Shoot the wound. His life, he spent in therapy because it was so traumatic for him that he actually killed someone else. Like there are real implications to this that people don't look at. I think we should do a show one of these days to just a skeptic look at firearms because there really is a myth around guns and it needs to be debunked at some point. And to bring it back to local. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's an issue. It is an issue. Um, land use is something that uh, our councils uh, look after. So uh, regulating the use of firearms within the municipality is something that uh, the that the count, mayor and council can do, as well as uh, putting pr- restrictions and parameters around even as far as having firearms being sold in certain areas, um, issuing issuing uh, business licenses to to those businesses that are are in those businesses. Those are all decisions that uh, that the people that we elect for our local government have the ability to make. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, while we're in schools and we're uh, dealing with politics and uh, mm-hmm. the law, um, I want to do an update. Uh, you guys remember one of the shows we talked about, Trinity Western University. I want to give you guys an update. I wanted to do this the last show, but we didn't ha- have enough time. Um, from the province, apparently uh, an expert legal panel hired by the B.C. government expressed serious reservation about major aspect of the plan. Now, uh, in case you guys didn't follow this, Trinity Western University applied to have a uh, to be able to teach law, and uh, there was a group of lawyers that basically uh, the the the, yeah. the lawyers association voted sure we'll recognize the students coming out of there, and uh, the t- a group of lawyers said no uh, because the TWU has a covenant that says if you're uh, you cannot have sex unless you're married or you or and they define marriage as between a man and a woman yeah and they have uh, big reservations against people that are gay. And anyway, we're all against the entire thing. So, like I said, the ex- expert legal panel that was hired by the BC government, they expressed serious reservation about the major aspect of the plan. Uh, and of course, eight months later, the BC government approved the plan anyway. And these are things... Makes me wonder why they bothered spending the money on the, the board the that they just completely ignored. Well, then they can say they did it. Well, you know, yeah, they, but they didn't, the BC government approved the plan for the TWU to have the, uh, the law school. Would it be the government? Yes, it would be. It would be the Minister of Education, right? The provincial government has to approve. Uh, but the the the, the 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 bar, the uh, bar association of BC, has to uh, approve whether or not they're going to recognize uh, the, lawyers. the lawyers that so come out of that school. BC said they would, but there was some provinces that rejected the plan, yes. right? Yes. Ontario actually 
actually said that they would not allow any. Uh, Nova Scotia had some reservations too. Uh, that well, the last I heard of Nova Scotia was that the bar the the bar was recommending that 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 they would not recognize any of these waters, but um, I'm not sure exactly how that turned out. So Ontario has definitely said that their bar will not recognize any. Yeah. Of so according to the uh, FOI, uh, the uh, panel of uh, serious concerns about the proposed law school that can make freedom the breadth of its uh, of its world view. Uh, in other words, if you have a worldview about God, you know you don't have a chance. You don't have a tendency to respect people's law, and the teaching teaching of legal skills and and course quality. Those are huge concerns. Uh, there was a 26-page report from uh, five law professors across Canada. They said the course was destined to fail, but it was approved anyway. The curriculum says very little about understanding the theory of law. Quote. Whether or not a lawyer holds a Christian worldview, he she must be able to understand and respect a diversity of worldviews. And we all know how Christianity is so tolerant. Any program must make a sustained effort to give students the intellectual background uh, that will help them effectively represent people with whose views they may profoundly disagree. So, you know, if you have a person that is accused of a crime, this person happens to be gay, and they're represented by this person that has a worldview, a very Christian worldview, you know, you can't, your lawyer might not be on your side. And that's, that's a big concern, and with good reason. Um, how would an evangelical Christian lawyer represent a, uh, a Satanist, or a Muslim, an atheist? or a gay person. These are really big concerns. And uh, TW as uh, apparently is very scanty on criminal law. Uh, the, uh, they offer only a, a light testing on Aboriginal law and family law is not required either. So I'm sorry, this is a, a report that was put together by lawyers from across Canada? Yes. Okay. It was a panel of experts hired by the BC government. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. And do I have more on this? I, I do actually. And uh, actually, uh, uh, last I heard, uh, the uh, society, the bar, uh, the members have forced a vote, which will happen September 26th. They're re-meeting on September 26th to debate whether or not to overturn the approval of the TW plan. Um, and the Toronto human light, uh, rights lawyer Clayton Ruby is suing BC government on behalf of prospective student Trevor Loki. I hope I got this right. Trevor Loki, who is gay. So this is a story that we're going to keep following, I guess, because it has huge repercussion. And how do I take this into the show? Well, it's quite simple. You know, if, if, if people were more active in politics, the government would know that these kind of things should not be permitted. I think it's because I'm gay. <laughs> no, I did not pull the story just because of you. <laughs> Wow, you're getting defended. Corey, it's too bad you're not a gay lawyer. I agree. You could buy me dinner. I I think my husband (laughs) thinks it's too bad I'm not a gay lawyer, too. You could buy me dinner. (laughs) And I think that was Trevor Loke, who is actually a park board commissioner in In Vancouver. Vancouver. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great guy. Oh, good. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. We'll, we'll certainly keep an eye on it and see where it goes. Yeah, that vote's coming up soon. I c- we can only hope that that school is... Denied. Yeah. <laughs> we can only hope that. 
All right. Can we do our question? Yeah, okay, go yeah. ahead. Oh, question. we're still waiting. Oh, right. <laughs> Forgot about why we're here even. Jeez, this um, show is just flying by right now. We already get like 51 minutes into it. Sounds like we're Yes, absolutely. Okay, um... Go ahead, start. What was the question? Why do it's why why do we think people don't vote, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Thank you, and I know you've got a great you're you're chomping at the bit. No, I don't have no. anything to say. Oh, why they don't? Yeah. Why do you think people are so apathetic? People are apathetic because they no. because they don't think their vote. Can make a difference, yes. and that Me is <laughs> the only reason people don't vote. Because yeah. why else would you? Not. I. And also, um, in addition to that, they think their vote doesn't make a difference, and they don't think that the. I'm sorry if I'm being stereotyping here, but middle-aged white wealthy man represents them because Canada is increasingly diverse, and there, that is not reflected in the political makeup. Yeah, I was gonna say. People can't hear you nod. I was gonna <laughs> say. I know. I'm a. No, I'm been nodding all oh night, God, haven't Chris, I? I'm stop. a nodder. I I was gonna go down the representation road again. I think that uh, especially for younger people, uh, trying to find somebody that they feel represents their view and their perspective is is difficult. Uh, but and I also wonder uh, about trust and and. Do do people actually believe what candidates, what politicians are saying? Uh, and again, it goes back to Brownland's point earlier about you know all these grandiose ideas when we're not in office and when we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you realize this. The well, you realize that there are it. there are realities, there are parameters, there's staff and bureaucracy that that have to be dealt with, and. It just it's overwhelming for a lot of people and and I think that they throw their hands up and just kind of go with it. Well, I think we've become extremely insular as people as well in that I mean if you'd hear one person you hear a hundred and and it literally drives me crazy is when they go, oh i don't I don't watch the news, oh, I don't follow the the issues no no it, it's too boring. Well, uh, you know, it's actually not too boring. Or it's too depressing. Too bra- I like that oh, one. that's the word. Oh, the news is so depressing. So they don't take the time to get engaged unless it directly affects them, and they don't realize the stuff that indirectly affects them. Well, of course we can't. We can't say that there is one magic bullet as to why people don't vote. I think you're all right, uh, but I'm gonna add. Uh, I'm gonna add an amendment to what you were saying there. Uh, people feel their votes don't count. Uh, you know what? I think a lot of people, and I'm sure I've got no stats to back this up, but I've got a very good feeling that a lot of people use that as an excuse. Frankly, I think they're too lazy to vote. I think you hit on it. I think people uh, people are very comfortable in their life, and they don't take care of an issue unless it affects them personally or the bottom line right here, right now. I agree with you, but the problem with that is if you don't get get yourself educated and you don't get involved then that right that you have right now, in four years, you will not have it. Because I, I've said this before, but workers' rights when I first started working as a teenager and workers' rights now are very different, and they are less now. You'd think they'd be more, but they are not. They are less now than they were 20 years ago. So these things get eroded away slowly. People don't notice. 
and then suddenly they wake up and they're gone. So that is the game over, man. It's game over. Yeah, I just wanted to say just one thing to follow up with Karen, just a clarification in my mind, is some middle-aged white men do know what's going on. I don't want them all painted with the same brush. She's actually looking at me when she says that. I don't want them all painted with the same brush. And I think that that, in a sense, is also one of the problems is people go, oh, they're just like, oh, they're developers. I don't like them. Oh, they're they're business owners. I don't like them. Oh, they're left-wing radical nut bars will all be wearing tie-dye and eating hemp. You know, like, I think that people... <laughs> people don't. No, no, I know. People don't take the time to really listen to what they. Have. And we don't really give them a lot of forums. Municipally, one of my very annoying things that makes me very annoyed is we don't give any of the candidates a real opportunity to tell us who they are and what they think and and how they would either make changes or stay the course or what their vision is. Because we we have like what two all candidates meetings maybe one two and you know they they have two minutes to talk it's crazy. Oh yeah, as as a person who has actually been in one of them myself, uh, you cannot elaborate on any points. No. You can't put any of your ideas forward. All you have to do is you know you get thirty seconds to answer a question that's shot at you and and you have five people answer it before you. It's like. Yeah, you can't it's, do that. It's horrifying. You you, and people who go to that already are supporting someone, so they're not really even listening. I like the days when people just street corner, stand on their yeah. little soapbox, and then people gathered around and said, oh, Kevin Francis is fabulous. Oh, Kevin Francis is a nut. Wait a minute. Whatever um, they would say. You know what I mean? They, it, yeah. it, it, it was more immediate. Yeah, I prefer the previous one. Exactly. And people are so incredibly lazy that they will believe anything that comes in front of them, either in a newspaper, uh, a brochure, a Facebook post. It's oh, this has happened. Yeah, yeah. The, bu- the buzz line. Yeah, they believe it. Yeah, this yeah. is what they're doing, and it and it's just so unfortunate. And we don't teach it in school. Mm-hmm. Liam, no. let me ask you: Do That's you take a, a any sort of political um, or or civic? History of politics, but yeah. nothing current. So um, you never have like this is why you should vote or not really, nothing no. like that. Yeah, and that's actually, unfortunate. It, it bothers me a lot because well, I was interested in it, but a lot of the political stuff was presented in a way that was very dry. So a lot of the yeah. students just didn't listen. No, at of course all, not. Right? Yeah. So, so. Um, I'm going to ask you, put you on the spot. What do you think as the as a teenager, someone um, who'll be able to vote in the next federal election? Hmm. Oh, I, I think a lot of the time it's because they think that they can't do anything or think that it doesn't really matter if they don't vote. Like, other people are voting, so it doesn't matter if I don't because they'll take care of it kind of thing. Um, like, that actually, I think, happens more than we recognize. People think, well, there's so many people in all of Canada and all of Mission, most of them will probably vote, so it doesn't matter if I don't vote because I'm just one person, right? Well, what they don't realize is when you have most people thinking like that, then hardly anyone votes. Right? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious about with the, the labor dispute right now because I was going to make a point about 
how a lot of times people get involved in politics because of an issue, because mm-hmm. it does affect them. And I was noticing this week how many students have taken to the streets to start protesting and having their voices heard in the whole labor dispute. And I'm wondering, as a result of that, the motivation to get involved, will we see more engagement yeah. of young people in the pro- political process and, and perhaps, you know, we should be looking for opportunities to engage those young people. It's you possible. Um, the the two things I'm kind of worried about are, one, it's an issue that's affecting them very directly, right? So as soon as things aren't bad anymore, they might go, oh, everything's all right, so I can stop carrying again. Uh, I, I know some people who certainly will do that. But um, also, I think this is a really frustrating one for me, but a lot of the time people just regurgitate what they've heard on TV or what their parents have told them or whatever. So although they are taking a stand, it's not necessarily a stand that they've actually thought about. It's just something that they've been told, and so they spit it up again. The buzz line. The buzz you know? And that's not unique to young people. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That is not the only way you can engage in democracy. Writing to your MLA, protesting on the street, um, getting involved in your community and knowing what the issues are, those are all ways to get involved in politics. It is not simply voting. We need to all be Mm -hmm. more actively engaged, more aware of what's going on. And and so protesting is being Mm -hmm. part of the political system. I think it's really great that people do that. And also what you just said makes me think that perhaps those people (coughs) have had those their opinions undervalued so that they think other people are more qualified to take care of this than I am. Yeah. And that is a big problem if that's the case because obviously the youth are the future of Canada. Well, so people, youth need to know that their opinion right now matters and that they should feel free to express it. Whenever I end up talking to someone like that, I try and say, like, democracy is what the majority of people want, regardless of whether it's right or wrong or expensive or cheap. What matters is that the majority of people want it. That's the concept of democracy. So if you don't vote, you're not really supporting that system. You're kind of saying, I don't care if it's a dictator, right, because you aren't voicing what you want, and you're part of the population that you know has a majority that wants something. Right? I'll take it even one step further. It's worse than that. When you're not voting, you're basically agreeing with what's happening. So even if it's a bad law, it's a racist law, it's a discriminatory law, if you're not voicing yeah. your opposition – you're essentially agreeing you're, with it. If you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. Right? Yeah, well, Liam said something about about not feeling like you know somebody else is taking care of someone more qualified. Yeah. And and getting back to the career politician thing, and even just thinking of that whole title, politician, I had an, a, a, my own aha moment, uh, actually, with this current council, uh, sitting there one day, realizing that politicians truly are just you and I and our neighbor. And this idea that you have to be qualified, you know, that's how we started the show, that anybody can run mm-hmm. for office. There's no qualification. And, and, and we look at these people who get into these positions uh, who now have these titles of minister or premier or mayor, and really they are just our neighbor Mm-hmm. They're our pizza guy. They're our radio talk show host. They're our, you know, Fastbender owned an advertising company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So 
I think that this maybe this whole we're glorifying politician, yeah, right, and and the definition of politician. I'd even like to see that because really, if it's anything but the people, like uh, what the is people. the definition of a politician? Well, well, the other thing is, is that we automatically assume that once people are elected, actually, even before that, when they're actually running as a candidate, we automatically assume they're going to have the answer to every single issue. They're going to know. Well, they wouldn't run if they didn't. And we don't, we don't understand that it, there's the issues are so long and 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 vast. And why would we expect them suddenly? Let's just use an example. Kevin goes to be a candidate, and suddenly he's supposed to know about potholes or sewage. Or no, they, it, we need to find people who are willing to learn about it for sure, but they don't need to know it right away. Yeah, I, I, I'll take I'll take a moment to announce that I am not currently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I thought we were leading up to something. I thought we were too. Okay. I thought you knew something I didn't. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and kudos to people who do run and people who sometimes run with, with, like you say, no money. They know, I mean, that's a part that drives me crazy is that you almost have to have money now to run for posters and a camp, you know. But kudos to those people who do because even if they're not successful at, at getting into a position, they have brought forward an issue or an idea or. Or even just dispelled the myths of what yeah. it means to run. Exactly. And, and and I'm even thinking that, that, you know, even, you know, my lame attempt at a political career, I can think of the people that I inspire just to get involved mm-hmm. and what that's done now. And, you know, I think if more people knew somebody, yeah, right, yeah. which means that we all have to get engaged. What is it? So I've, I've got the definition. This is actually pretty telling. So the first definition is a person who is active in party politics. Nothing special, just someone who yeah. is engaged. The second is a seeker or holder of public office who is more concerned about winning favor or retaining <laughs> power than about maintaining principles. So that's the second definition of a wow. politician. Wow. I like the first one better. <laughs> Let's use that one. Well, but in fact, though, there's a word in the first one that we need to focus on, though. It's party politics. Yeah. yeah. Which not is right. not good. Yeah. Which does go with the second yeah. definition, right? Because if you're involved in party politics, what's your priority? To give the party. Again. The party. Can you, can, you can you imagine on top of that if we had a system like in the States where they had that Citizen United ruling in the Supreme Court, you know, unlimited money in the politics. Could you imagine that kind of stuff happening here in Canada? Whew, that'd be nasty. Yeah. I remember reading, um, I was reading the kind of outline for if you're going to run for, for office uh, municipally, and it said, it actually did say on the website, this is a District of Michigan website, saying, you know, if you're going to run, that's anyone can run, and just outline the, the requirements, but it said, usually if you're going to run, you should be a successful businessman, someone who has a high yes. in the community. Yes, and that's, and that's 
It says that on the on the mission yeah, website. Does. That that's something I want to I, I want to take two minutes to address. Excuse me. I want to take two minutes to address that. Uh, that's true. Those, maybe not those exact words, but certainly that. That's all we see in politics today. Uh, businessman, lawyer, businessman, lawyer. What happened to the scientists? What happened to the artists, the engineers, the rest of life? Why do? Where did we get this stupid myth that only businessmen can run politics? Because first of all, let's face it, politics is not about making a profit, right? No. Government is not about making a profit. It's about running things that should need to make a profit. And if Paul, if businessmen were so great at running politics, nobody would have complained for the past thirty years. I can't believe it said that. And I'm and I'm going to tell you there are very few successful businessmen, yes. people, successful business people, who can afford to take the time away from their business, right? Exactly. If, exactly. if they're a business person, they're running their business. Yeah. Because that's what they are. And if they quit being a business person to become a politician, well, we just read what their motivations are. But I just hate this this myth. And, I, you know, I know, everybody knows I'm not a fan of conservatives, but I think I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. The myth of, you know, only a businessman... You know, everything needs to run like a business. Everything's got to be a business-wise. It's got to be a business decision. And then people are shocked when you got things like, you know, that don't work because they're cut. And then people say, why, why is this cut? You know, why, why did the federal government cut the Coast Guard? Because they're running the government like a business. Dollars and cents. Exactly. Well, it's the big buzzword, fiscal responsibility, <sighs> which really means cutting. And anybody can cut. Sort of. Anybody. I mean, I, I, I'm, I would be a terrible politician and a terrible business person, but even I could go in and cut. Anyone can do that. You just go in and cut stuff to, to not spend enough money. The, the whole finesse of it is to be able to cut, but to keep having all the great services that you have. That's, that's, that's the key. I, I think it brings to the point that a lot of people are chanting that mantra, they need to cut, they need to cut. Uh, I, I go with the mantra that People are willing to pay more taxes, but what they want to know is their tax money is well spent. Exactly. If their tax money is well, I, I, I will dare anybody to just walk to anybody's door and say, hey, what are you thinking about raising taxes so we actually have better schools or anything like that? People don't object to that. What they object to is spending more, having more tax money taken out of their pocket and finding out two weeks from now there's some scandal and some guy is just raking it in. That's what they object to, and but unfortunately, it has that ripple effect of coming down the road, and people are start, starting to say, "Well, you got to cut, you got to cut everything, you got to, you know, uh, tighten your belt." No, you, you you have to weed out the bad the bad that's, weeds first. That's all tied to running things like a business. Right? It is, it and, is, and trying to save money as much as you possibly can. Well, at the same time, drawing a profit for yourself, right? The politicians BC, getting the paid a lot. The is a perfect example of what's going on like that. And we can name probably a thousand of them, you know. They, they run like a business, but their their ridership is down because, you know, all they're thinking about is bringing the buck in. But in the meantime, people on the island are suffering. Maybe if you oh. had politicians that weren't just there for the career who actually, you know, mm-hmm. had to We're care back about to the that. issues. We're yeah. back to that. Exactly. Yeah. We're back to that. Well, anyway, I think we should move on. This this show is part. You looking for something? Yeah, I was looking for that. It seems they seem to have changed it. It's now all uh, kind of provincially endorsed stuff. That's yeah. website, but I do remember reading that last book when we ran. You can find that yeah, you if you look it up. I think 
think you should be a successful listener and someone who's empathetic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You should be engaged in the issues of your community. And engaged exactly. citizen. Yeah. Well, since this show is also about atheism, we'll have to do another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. Well, speaking of brilliant moments brought to you by religion, and since the show is a bit political, we'll do a bit of both. Yeah. Only a little bit. In fact, I'm hardly noticing it. Yeah, well, good, good. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's hardly noticing. This is a story I just found, because, you know, finding brilliant moments brought to you by religion is so easy. I I could put, like, five stories a week. I could do an entire podcast, a different podcast. That wouldn't be this. too entertaining, though. I know, I know. I'd just be laughing at religion all the time. Anyway, this story is about a megachurch pastor. Speaking of business, megachurches are very profitable. Remember that Joel Osteen? I think he, uh, somebody stole a collection plate, one service, and he lost $600,000. Megachurch. There's money in faith. Anyway, this, this, is, <laughs> this is about a uh, Baptist church senior pastor. His name is uh, Robbie Gallarty. He thinks that Christians should never stop discriminating against gays. Sorry, Corey, I'm not doing this because you're here. It's I think just it's totally because, Corey. No, it just happened to be. I, I don't know. I don't know if you should do this. I, I want... You know what? I think you should. Oh, do it. Bring it on. Absolutely. Let's do it. Absolutely. And they, unless, unless they turn straight, uh, they turn straight if they accept Jesus Christ, of course. So he refers to Leviticus 20, you know, and he says that gay is a choice. Although he, although he acknowledged that Christianity was the source and justification for racism in America, duh, still is, prior to civil rights, but he, somehow he thinks that homosexuality is different. It's not the same, he says. A black man can't change his race. A white man can't. A homosexual can't stop engaging in homosexual acts. See, there's a choice. And I, I think that breathing is also a choice by his logic. And maybe he should stop. So the question is, is uh, will there come a time where those bigots will look as foolish as racists do today? Absolutely. Of course. Well, it's, it's already, already happening. Here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, in the States, though, they still have a lot of power. Well, yeah. And they have a lot of political power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. They do have why I don't this is why I'm not a fan of conservatives because if you realize if you look through history if you're a student of history every social fight you know whether it's equal pay for women or equal rights for women or equal rights for black or gays or anything like that every cons- every every time there was a fight like that the conservatives were against it every single one <laughs> that's true. That's true. But even Abraham Hilly Lincoln was actually quite racist. For his time, he was. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. Quite progressive. I mean, that just shows you how far the Republican Party has gone. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, but you know th- that's why that's why I'm not a, a 
conservative, uh, a fan of conservative, because, like I said earlier in the show, uh, we're a progressive species. Uh, when you're a conservative person, you're just slowing down the progress. Is what you're doing. Just really want to wear tie dye. No one's stopping you from doing that now. <laughs> Bring the ham. That's it. But I think every generation has its has its cause and has yep. its fight, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, so the fact that in, in our time it's it's the fight for for gay rights that is the fight, um, and and we've come a long way and we have a long way to go in that fight. Yeah, but Corey, shouldn't we be fighting better things than that? Absolutely, I mean, we should be we fighting got better things. We've got to worry about. We were, uh, we Such don't a have relevant to worry about thing. gay people when you got climate change and icebergs melting. I mean, come on. And but I honestly don't believe that it's gay people they have a problem with. If you go back to your story, it's homosexual acts. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But you know, I I thought I thought you know, uh, I don't these people these people are following the Bible and they're following Leviticus law. So I thought just for fun, I should look a bit more to Leviticus. Oh, I was hoping you were going. I was going to suggest that actually. <laughs> now, if you're a fan of the Bible out there in Never Neverland, and you follow Leviticus law, and you think gays should be stoned to death, you may also know that Leviticus 19.19 says you may not mix different types of animals, seeds, and clothing. Animals so, clothes? Seeds and clothing. Seeds. So if you're wearing, like, uh, wool and linen, uh, no, that's a big no-no. You're going to hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Leviticus 20 says you sh- oh, yes, it actually says how closely wives can be related Okay. Um, <laughs> well, like your sister. Yes, and so you can't marry my sister. that's right. <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And it also says that you need to exile any couple that had sex while she was menstruating. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big issue. Okay, that should be on the ballot. <laughs> but how would they know that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe they have peeping toms. Uh, and you also not allowed tattoos. So I just love it. There's that there's that internet thing on Facebook that's wonderful because it says you know uh, Levit- Leviticus uh, uh, 19 or 20. It says basically a, a man should not lay with another man. Blah blah blah. They committed a sin, but it's a tattoo on his arm. Leviticus says you're not supposed to wear t- to have tattoos. So it's wonderful. Well, they don't read all of it. Yes, well, it's, it's I know. They just pick, pick and, and choose. choose. Yeah. Leviticus 10 and 6 says you should not keep your you do not let your hair become unkept. <gasps> hmm. Look at so, so does that mean that <laughs> actually they should be discriminating a lot more than they are? Oh, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And there's, there's, there's also a very interesting thing. Uh, I know that yeah. there's a big fight in Israel with the Palestinians, but uh, Israelites have apparently have been known to use Leviticus as well, because in Leviticus it says, uh, 1918, it says to love your neighbor, but it only applies to the Israelites. You know? So you're loving your neighbor, but not your fellow man. They're actually taking neighbor literally, you know? You can love the guy that lives beside you, but not your fellow man, neighbor as your fellow man. So anyway, that was for your information. What, what on if Levitical the law. Palestinians move? Well, I ne- guess next to them. Yeah. I guess they probably put an empty house between Palestinians <laughs> because you can love the empty house, but you can't have your neighbor. So it's you know it's anyway. I could go on another show over what to do with the freaking Bible. <laughs> and we just did the show into a crash again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So anyway, um, we're coming to the end of our show here. So uh, guys, you know, where can they reach you? Actually, if I could just say, too, that um, Corey with What's On Magazine is putting out a voter's guide um, in uh, September, October, uh, which is not telling you how to, I think that, I think it's a wrong name because it's not actually guiding you as to who to vote for, more so to vote. So, Corey, maybe you could, I mean, it's your magazine, right? Right. Well... Uh, with the magazine, obviously, advertising is a big part of it. So I was starting in August to get a lot of calls from prospective candidates looking for to buy ads in the What's On Mission magazine. And quite frankly, I What's it's a On no-no. What's On is about everything that's good in our community. Yes. <clears throat> so so our uh, show should be advertising. This. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, so that got me thinking, though that there is obviously these candidates are looking for a place to to spend their advertising dollars and to get their word out and I thought how can I how can I combine that with my desire to inspire and engage more people in the process so we will be publishing the 2014 hashtag mission BC voters guide and it will be the guide piece is a guide to voting gotcha. so the the who what when where why's and hows of voting uh a lot of people i hear them say well i don't know how to vote or where to vote or where to vote or what do i need to vote so what we're going to do is is try to make it very simple and very clear and sh- and articulate how easy it is to vote i'll, I'll say the first time it is actually a bit intimidating mm-hmm. And I and I think that maybe that intimidation is what we want to try and do. We're going to create a really simple guide uh, in plain language and hopefully inspire some people to get out into the process. Put some pop-up pictures. Some pop-up pictures, yeah, yeah, lots of pictures, lots of diagrams, that sort of thing. Make it brutally simple, Very and colorful. as well as give the candidates an opportunity to spend those advertising dollars with you. Uh, purely their advertising, we are considering, depending on space, doing candidate listings, but uh, with publication dates in the election, unfortunately, it's probably we're probably not going to be able to get it in in time to get all the candidates, and I would hate to leave some out. So we're looking at how to provide as as mom- the, as thorough and accurate information as we can. So October fifteenth, uh, look for it. Uh, the uh, the Mission BC Voters Guide, and uh, as well, uh, there will be. Uh, again, we're gonna we're gonna talk about advanced polling as well because uh, November fifteenth is not the only day that you can vote. There if you're are, out of town, or if something. you're out of town, yeah. there are advanced polling days as well. So thanks, Bronwyn, for allowing me to. Well, that. Actually, I think we should. we should. Let's put a shameless plug and say, hey, you all three of you guys are teaming up together to bring back Cinema Politico to town, right? Yeah, Yay. that's right. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And we just had our first one this no, week. No, it's fantastic. I love great. that. Great. Uh, so that's yeah. going to be great. And you Do we have an upcoming uh, film? Um, Herman's House. Herman's House. Is this the seventh? Uh, yeah. Anyway, you can always go to Cinema yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Valley at Cinema and look up for Fraser Valley. Yeah. Facebook page. And that's, that's done with collaboration with what's on. And I was going to say. Rowan at the Clark, at the Clark Theater. And the Clark Theater. And, uh, 
again. Being so Capitorium gracious to help us with that stuff. I think it's the seventh. It's Tuesday. Just look in the what's on. What's yeah. on? It's in the what's on. Is there anything else for you, Brown? Uh, no, I I would just like to say that I wish that uh, more young people were as engaged as Liam. I have enjoyed meeting him, and um, I saw he was at the movie as well. Mm-hmm. The um, we are Legion, and uh, thank you for having me today. He's so great, right? He's yeah, like, he's great. He's like six foot four, three hundred yeah. pounds, ripped muscle. Just <laughs> love Liam. He kind of scares me. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming. Yeah. It was a real pleasure having you. Yeah, and uh, no, a few uh, things we have to announce as uh, we uh, will actually have an interview with uh, Dr. Peter Bogosian coming up uh, towards the end of the month, as well as Dr. Del Ray. We'll be talking about uh, his book, uh, Manual for Creating Atheists, and uh, Dr. Ray's book, uh, The God Virus. Keep an eye on that. And uh, we should be coming up with a show real quick here, a skeptical look at fitness. We're just trying to make sure our fitness gurus are going to be with us. So. No. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm guessing I'm not going to be asked to come in as a fitness expert. Actually, I think we should do another one of these shows. Maybe, maybe just after the election, or maybe in before. Hey, yeah, maybe after the election. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, hoot. Absolutely, I think we should. So anyway, keep an eye out, uh, out for us, guys, and you can always look at our website, www.leftatthevalley.com. Until next time. I'm just going to...